I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, vintage jewelry trees and an appreciation of slow. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 433, Tree in the Window. It has been a year. We had teapots and trees. Now we have a tree in the window, a tree in a window from last year, actually. We are now a week into December, a week into December. And December is unfolding almost the same as it always does in terms of the feeling of it kind of happening too fast. The same as it always does in that I repeatedly stop and look around and wonder how the days are passing by so quickly. The more I try and hold on to these days, and I think each year I will do better that I will be better prepared, that I will get less caught up in researching gift items and plotting what to give and finding deals. Every year I have good intentions to either do less of all of that, do less of all of the crazy making things, or to do them earlier and be done with them. Just enjoy December from day one and not be caught up in any of that. Every year I have good intentions. And then I guess maybe I kind of forget about those good intentions until I reach this point several days in and think, oh, well, the month is pretty much over. Of course it's not. Only a few days have passed. But there is that point where I think, oh, wow, what's the point? It's almost over. I know I'm not really missing it, not really missing these days. And yes, we are only a few days in, but there's this feeling. Maybe it is just part of December. Maybe it's just part of me. Maybe there would not be a perfect way to do it. But there's this feeling. I keep trying to slow it down. I keep trying to stop and say, okay, you are doing this to yourself again. Let's sort it out. Let's just stop. And on the other hand, I'm on this, you know, I'm on this train that's already left the station. We always have to stop, look at what's going on for ourselves and what we can do to change that, to get closer to where we want to be in terms of how we want our days and weeks and months to feel. As I add all these other little projects and things I see and things I need to do and I add all these things to my mental list and I realize I'm late and starting several things that normally I am done with. And I keep adding on to these things in my head and there's just less and less time. Instead of more and more, instead of time to just sit and draw next to the Christmas tree, there's just more and more crowding up my consciousness really trying to push against that. One of the things I have wanted to talk about this December involves this tree in a window. So last year, my mother was here for the holidays and we did several different things. 
simple things. We have some things that we do every December, but last year I was checking things off my 50 list, of course. And so there were a few other also simple, but special things I wanted to do. As I have seen photos coming through my memory feeds recently, I have been reminded of some of those things that we did, like visiting the Hope Tree, which is covered in origami cranes, and going to see another set of tiled stairs, which was one of my favorite discoveries last year. And I wanted to show those off. Other things like walking around Union Square and seeing the huge gingerbread display in the lobby of a hotel and different things like that. Having a giant lemon cookie, simple things, taking selfies on Twin Peaks. One of the things we did that was completely unplanned though, and really unlike us in several different ways, unlike us, was to wander into an antique store. We were in a small neighborhood for an appointment and we were just a little bit early. So we thought we would walk up and down this little street. As I have said before, I'm not a window shopper person. I'm not a shopper person, not in the real world, only online. So I don't tend to just go to a street and walk around like that. But we were there early, so we did. And we stopped in front of this window of an antique store. And I spotted a small Christmas tree completely covered in vintage jewelry. It was just wrapped in beads and pendants and brooches, completely covered, encrusted with these items. It was stunning. So we went inside. And as we wandered around, I found another one. It was different in color and tone and feel, but the same general principle and also completely covered and also really beautiful. And I was mesmerized by these. They are stunning. They were stunning. So we wandered the shop for a while and I kept gravitating back towards these two trees. I was just completely enchanted by them, by how you might make one. And thinking back, I remember feeling that it was unusual. My fascination with these trees felt unusual it somehow didn't necessarily feel like a thing that might have caught my whimsy in that way, but it totally did. I was so taken by them. The feeling of being in that store that day with the memory of these trees, and there was a snow globe in the window too, which still is a huge thing for me in terms of December and philosophy and everything else. The feeling was somehow like we had been transported somewhere, that heavy, seductive quality to it. Like when you walk inside, you're just transported. That feeling when you're watching the never ending story and he walks into that bookstore, he goes into that bookstore, you know, something is magical in there. It's in the air. The same feeling when Harry walks into the wand shop, that kind of feeling. And Like I said, there was a snow globe. That is sort of what I was looking for in looking in that window, sort of what I was hoping to see. But on that day, these trees just completely captured my fancy, my whimsy, that I stumbled over them only because of the small detour 
the small, very small act of wonder, that is not lost on me. After that, I was all set on making one of these trees. I was determined that I wanted to do this. I wanted to at least make a small one. And looking at them, I could tell that what it really takes is having enough stuff and the right stuff. And I know enough about craft that I know it's the kind of project that might not work. As with most projects, there is always a line between really approaching what you have in your head and something that, well, just doesn't turn out. Doesn't turn out quite that way. So I was balancing that because I know, I could tell, and I know and I remain convinced that if you undertake this kind of project, you have to have all of the findings. You have to have a lot of the findings, a lot of those vintage pieces, a lot of the junk jewelry or costume jewelry or whatever that might be. You have to have a lot of it. You have to have enough variety in shape that you can make it all fit in. And really, if you want a certain tone or overall color, you're going to need a lot. That wonderful mix of old jewelry and beads, you have to have enough of it to fill the space. I wanted to make one right then. That's the way I do everything. I wanted to do it right then. But of course, I didn't have the stuff. I poked around online just to see what these things were all about. And you can find beautiful examples. Interestingly enough, you don't find tons and tons of write-ups and tutorials, but you can find some. Really poke around, you can find some. There is another common way to use the same kind of vintage jewelry and make a flat tree and then frame it. And there are a bunch of examples of that. I like the dimensional one, the cone-shaped one, much better. But both of these are great ways to do a project using that kind of that kind of material. Sometimes the dimensional ones are called topiaries, or you might see them in topiary shapes, which is also very cool, very pretty. You might see them just in spheres. It's also very nice. You might find these listed as junk jewelry projects or vintage jewelry. If this sounds even remotely interesting and you're curious about what I'm talking about, I will try and put a picture or two in the show notes if I can find one that I could use. But otherwise, you should poke around. So I knew I couldn't make one right then. I thought this is something I have to make someday. At the time, I thought this is something I have to make now, this year, so that I would have it now in 2020 for the holidays. And when I get hooked on an idea like that, I spend time with it. I poked around. I thought about the process, the look, the balance of the two that I had seen and how they differed. I thought about what's involved and how you manage that and how you manage that without buying a ton of stuff or spending a lot of money. Because to cover one of these little trees, even a little one, is going to take a lot of stuff. Most of us don't probably have a jewelry box full of this old kind of jewelry, this costume or junk jewelry that can be salvaged, can be given new life and upcycled into this kind of beautiful arts and crafts project. And maybe you're thinking you could go to flea markets or estate sales or other things like that. And I had all those same thoughts. So I think that's probably the right approach, probably the solution, but I think it would take a number 
of finds, a number of lots, a number of sets to give you enough to really create this wonderful and fully covered tree. And to get enough, I think it's probably going to cost a little bit, a little bit for sure. And by a little bit, I don't really mean a little bit. It's the kind of project that you maybe could start and work on over years, just adding to it bit by bit. If that's you, that's not me. I'd really like to be able to just have all the stuff and make it. But the overtime approach might work. It was a driving force for days. I was just so wrapped up in it last year. I just knew I had to do this. And I knew that I wouldn't do just one. (laughs) I couldn't even figure out how to get the stuff for one, but I knew I wouldn't just do one. I knew that this would be a forest of these magical trees that would grow, that I wanted to grow that I wanted to channel these kinds of materials into this kind of beautiful forest. That's the in the head, really soft and really mesmerizing, magical image. I still think there's a chance that doing it in person, it might not come out quite that way. I might not have the same feel after I did it. So that's, that's the unknown. But now a whole year has gone by. And of course, it is hard to believe that it has been a year. I never solved getting that pile of vintage jewelry or costume jewelry that I could use to make one of these things. And as the year went on, I pretty much forgot about it. It wasn't really on my list because I didn't know about these things when I made my list. I sort of forgot until it popped back up. And every time I see these, I'm enchanted. It's a beautiful example of overflow, but somehow beautifully done. And that's something I really love. I don't want to forget about these trees. I don't want to forget that this is something that I want to do. I don't want the finished tree to be handed to me. I want to make this tree. I want to puzzle together how these pieces fit in, how the spaces get filled. I want to be able to have ones in different colors or different tones. I want to have enough stuff to make that possible. And I do like the multicolor ones very vintage. I have a bracelet or two that is very much like that somehow for me. They are slide, slide bracelets. They have some other name, but they make me think of these trees. I love that. I also love some of the ones that I've seen that are more neutral, more white or more tonal, the metal tones and the whites, the creams. It is a yin and a yang, this color versus non-color. I see this play out over and over again. I can definitely see some other colors that I would love to do. This would definitely be a forest and it could be a not so good forest, but I still can't quite shake the idea. Several years ago, a lot of years, really so many that it ends up in the, I don't really know how many years space in my head. My youngest made ornaments and he used straight pins to cover styrofoam balls in sequence. And It was one of those burning obsession projects that, of course, lasted a short amount of time. I think only a couple ornaments actually got finished. And there were a number of those kinds of projects, of course. We still have tons of rubber bands in a box from the rubber band bracelet craze. But these balls, covering them that way, it's a very similar process in a much simpler way. 
And one of those balls is still sitting up on top of the TV cabinet in a dish with a broken ornament and a few other odds and ends. And I noticed it when I was thinking about this show and I looked up and that is exactly the same kind of project, exactly the same kind of feel. Maybe I should finish that ball. Maybe that would scratch this itch, give me just enough satisfaction. Maybe I want to do that, replicate what he was doing. They're super cool. They have a great feel to them. I actually started some other holiday ornament project this weekend that I think I'll put off and talk about separately, but all of these things are now playing and bouncing around in my head together because they're similar, not similar, they're similar, but not similar, Uh, you know, the way those things go. I was watching a video this weekend about speed listening and speed listening is something that many people do with podcasts and audiobooks. I have seen this come up many times before. I've read articles about it. I've read discussions and threads about it in podcast forums. And the mentality, of course, is that the faster you can listen, the more that you can listen to. So if you listen at two times the speed, then you can listen to twice as many things in theory. I just can't do that. And if you're thinking, well, I didn't even know this was a thing. Well, it is a thing. Most players, whether it is a podcast player or even the YouTube app, probably whatever you listen to your books in, most of those things have a speed toggle that you can up your speed. You can go from one to 1.25 to 1.5 and so on. And you can go down, you can slow things down to 0.5, You can experiment to find a listening speed that works for you with any given title. Of course, one is how it was recorded. And so a lot of people listen to things at 2x and some even say they can manage 3x. And I just can't, just can't do it. I can't even grasp the rationale. I understand the rationale, but I just can't, can't get on board with the mentality. It's a philosophy somehow, an approach that is so at odds with where I am now. And I think that's what really struck me this weekend again, is how that is so not what I'm all about right now. With this show, I find that I often slow down even more than normal. I deliberately slow down. It is part of what I am doing now and how I am talking to you is in this slower way. If you listen at 3x, it isn't going to sound the same at all. It's just an interesting concept and an interesting, interesting approach. I find it interesting that I find it interesting because I appreciate speed in so many things. So many things. I have always done things fast. I think fast. I have always talked fast. I write fast. I play card games that require speed and I've always been good at these things. And yet more and more, I find myself talking about slow. I talk about slow and I integrate slow into a lot of the commentary that I do right now some of the things I write, some of the captions I put on my own work. Sometimes it's about being able to accept slow. 
And sometimes I think people don't exactly know what I mean or what I'm thinking, or maybe they do. I think everyone's going to have their own interpretation. But I talk about slow a lot. And I am realizing that I'm enjoying slow, savoring it. I'm seeing that there is so much balance and mindfulness that comes with that, with that appreciation and respect for slow. I think it has a transformative effect when you can actually embody slow in a different way and not feel antsy about it. When you can sit and do something slow and not feel crazed by the race, by the crush of it all. When you can do the slow and inhabit it in a way that is mindful, I think there is something powerful and personally rewarding. And so I do think about it more now. I do talk about it more now. When it comes to doing the show, like I said, I definitely do things much slower. If you've ever tried speeding up listening to someone, I always say it sounds like Donald Duck, and that might not be the right analogy. I definitely think it has that helium balloon quality sometimes. I know several years ago, I was putting things on Instagram saying, don't speed up podcasts. It has always seemed such an odd thing to me. And so seeing it again yesterday was definitely made me stop and think. I can't listen to things like that. I tried it and I didn't like how it made me feel. I don't like how it sounds either. I like the sound of voices pretty much at their regular speed. I mean, sometimes maybe you can go 1.25 and it will still sound the same. But generally, there's a change in sound when you speed up or slow down. This has been a year of slow. For most people, it has been a forced slow. Not a slow people were looking for. It has been a slow that was thrust upon people, something that people just found themselves in. People have had to slow down because of many things that were not possible. Slowing down is not always bad, but it does take a certain mindset. When you go for a walk and your whole goal is the walk, the actual walk, and managing to breathe throughout your walk, reaching your destination and turning around and going back and then probably doing it again. When you're doing that and then suddenly you stop because the sky is mesmerizing or there's a break in the clouds or there's an arc of light or there's a crescent shaped formation in the distance or there's light hitting these houses way off and it's just magical, this glow. When you stop and you know that in stopping, you're messing up your timing and your stats and your count and everything else that goes along with it, even if you're just out for this casual daily walk. You mess up your own walking rhythm because you stop. You take a picture or maybe two or three, and then you walk on a little farther and you stop again because it's a different angle now, slightly different color in the sky. And you turn around and look and you see people coming at you and you feel a little strange because you've stopped. You walk a little farther and then you just can't help it. You stop. You've reached this pinnacle of perspective and you stop and you take a panorama. You stop and you turn your camera on and you stand there and you turn in a circle, a full 360 
taking this picture and appreciating what you see. Maybe it's just the change in light. Maybe it has been shockingly bright on recent days, or maybe it has been so blue, so evenly blue, that something about the light on this day, you just can't help it. You stop. And in stopping, you completely slow down. You jolt out of that forward momentum and you slow down in a space where everyone else is moving. You slow down to look, to see. I feel like I need to talk about slow. I need to talk about slow again and again and again. I feel like it's this cozy sweater that I am learning to claim that I pull on now and again. This ability to sit and do things with an appreciation and awareness of slow. There's a whole lot more to this. Going into that shop and seeing those trees was a moment of slow. In the midst of a day that had hustle and bustle, it was a moment of slow. That moment when you walk in that door and the little bell jingles and there's a hush. There's a different tenor to the space. Everything sounds different, like a blanket has been dropped over top of everything. You've walked into slow. I feel like there is a world of slow mounting in me. It is at odds with all of me that runs on high speed, high octane. I work fast. I think fast. I have honestly always had an appreciation for people who are equally fast. And yet suddenly there is this other side. It's growing. And this appreciation of slow, it's growing. And this awareness of slow, it's growing. And this embodiment of slow, it's growing. It's not the first time I've talked about slow. But every time I talk about it again, I feel the new strength of that, of the discussion. I feel the power of it more and more and more. This awareness and recognition of the ways in which it unfolds the places I can find it, the times when I am in situations where others are doing something fast and I'm slow. This isn't a turtle and the hare story. It is a different kind of slow. It's a little different. It's not slow to be careful or cautious. That's not what this is about. It's a different slow. It's a slow to breathe, to find peace and balance and mindfulness and to somehow escape the rush. This is a story not done. I haven't said all I want to say. I haven't even ironed out everything that goes into this. Podcasts are like first drafts. They really are. And that is always disorienting for me because I could write and tweak and reorganize and on and on and on. But instead, I'm on the fast. (laughs) The land of the first draft, the here and now, what I'm thinking right now, it's extemporaneous. And there's a whole lot more to it that if there was only time, right? And more and more these days, I find myself brushing up against old shows, old words. The desire to go back through those, it's really strong. I just don't know where the time is. That project that I wanted to do with the old shows, that is one that I just cannot let go of. I really feel like that has to be a focus. I just can't solve the time. We have all these other things going on. Illustrate Your Week is going on, and that is day by day. It's every day. And I want to keep putting out shows, new shows. 
always things to think about. Even right now, I'm trying to go slow, but the reality is I am running right up into a timeline. Something else I need to be doing at a certain time. Slow. Let yourself find moments of slow in this month, in these days. Look for them. How do they make you feel? What are they? Are they things that are repeatable? How does your art fit into that? Are there parts of your creative process and habit and routine that help you find balance and is slow a part of that? There is a video up on YouTube. If you don't follow at YouTube, I really do ask that you go and subscribe there. It's free, of course, to do that. Just click subscribe. The podcast episodes are going there in audio only format for people who listen on the website or through YouTube, but there are other videos. There's a time lapse. It is short. It is about almost six minutes. And so it's a mini podcast kind of talk paired up with a time lapse. And I'm still ironing out how I do things and what I want to try and what I might need, but I'm going to keep pushing some things out that way because you should start with what you have, as we talked about a few shows ago. So that is out there. If you're looking for just a few other minutes of talk, uh, in that one, I was talking about a process-oriented thing about putting some things off, way I divvy up some of my work, but also I talked about Illustrate Your Week. And so if you're interested in illustrated journaling or the Illustrate Your Week project that many of us have been doing for several months, back in September and August, and then November and December, then I would encourage you to go and listen to that video. And there was another one before that, actually, that I talked about it as well. So those are out there. I am the art. The art is me. Thank you for listening today. I appreciate you tuning in to the Creativity Matters podcast. I'm Amy, and you can reach me at Creativity Matters Podcast at gmail.com. The show notes are on the Creativity Matters Podcast.com website. I post links there to anything I talk about in the show. If I talk about books or tools or materials, I also always post other links, just interesting things I find or different pens and things like that because I love to browse those things. The Roy G. Biff Supplies series is out there. It's just a lot of fun to poke through. And there is a list of creative titles. There had been a recent sale at Amazon. And in looking at that, there were a whole bunch of titles that I have talked about by people that I adore, like Myra Kalman and Danny Gregory. And there were some other art titles and graphic novel titles and all kinds of books that really you might want to check out or might be part of your list making or gift giving or wish list or whatever. So those things are all in the blog. There are podcast posts on my site and then the blog holds everything else. So I encourage you to go out and poke around. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Hybliss. You can find me at Instagram as Amy Amy and as Creativity Matters Podcast. Thank you to those of you who support the show in any way. And to those of you, especially who are at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. I feel like I have had to rush through my closing statements and I do do them new each time. They are not just a can. So I feel like I had to rush through them, but as always, 
Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate the chance to talk about creative topics with you, about life and reflection and memory and meaning and mindfulness and slow. So thank you. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.